Right. Well, good to be with you today. It's always a privilege and an honor to be able to stand before you and proclaim God's word. Thank you, Pastor Daniel, and the leadership of worship. Uh, many of you who know me, uh, when I have the opportunity to speak and preach, know that I tend to cry a little bit. Well, it's not going good for me today because I was already crying this morning over there as we were worshiping. So I got my hanky out. I'm ready. All right. But it's it's good to be before you today. And uh, we're excited about uh, our missions conference and all that God has for us. Hey, and this morning, the Lord is leading us to talk about our personal life mission. What does it mean for each of us to be on mission and in particular, how we can discover that? And I got to tell you, um, and I've been involved in ministry for over 35 years in one of my favorite conversations to have with someone is when they say, what's God's will for my life? How do I discern that? And whether they're old or young, that's one of my favorite things to be able to do is to have that conversation because I struggle with that too. I struggled with that as a younger man, as I entered into middle age and I considered, Lord, now that almost half of my life is gone, what do I do now? And so for me, that question, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? How does he want me to be directed is something that I love to talk about because God has shown me so much. And so I'm burdened for that. I'm passionate about that, but I'm excited about that today and be able to share that with you. For me, that journey started when I was 17 years old. As a young man, I remember uh, we lived in St. Augustine, Florida, and I can remember the day and the place. I could take you there right now if we got in my car. It's about a 10 and a half hour drive, and uh, I could show you the street where I was walking that day. And I was, I was just saying, God, what do you want me to do? Why am I here? What's your will for my life? And you know what? I heard nothing but crickets. Just nothing. I was like, hey, hello. And I was trying to have God, you know, I wanted, I just said, listen, if you just write it in the sky or send down some lightning, I had no idea. I didn't know how God communicated to people at that time in my life as a 17 year old, but I had a passion. I wanted to know God's will for my life. Now, here's the sad part of that story. God didn't answer my question the way I wanted him to. And to be honest with you, I got really angry at God. Have you ever done that? You just got angry at God because he doesn't jump through our hoops. And, and that's what I was wanting him to do. And so for the next two years, I was involved in things that I knew were wrong deep down, but I didn't care. I remember one conversation with my mom and I told her, I just said, mom, I don't know if I believe in Jesus anymore. I don't know. He didn't, you know, he's not very active. I just don't see him working. It about broke her heart. But two years later, a friend of mine invited me to church and I went to church and I actually, I wasn't interested in going to church. I was curious about the person that was speaking. I literally went out of curiosity, but God spoke to my heart that night and he grabbed my heart's attention. And I learned that God loved me so much that he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to die on the cross, 
so that I could have a personal relationship with him. And I heard the gospel that night, and I gave my heart and life to Christ. And then as I began to walk with Jesus, and I began to learn more and more that my plan for my life wasn't going to be the best thing. I needed to yield my life to him and have his plan for my life. And I reached a point of desperation a few years later. I said, Lord, I'm tired of doing things my way. I want to do it your way. And God changed the trajectory of my life. Because I submitted, listen, and this is so important, I yielded my life to him so that not only Jesus was my savior, he died on the cross for my sins, but then I had made the decision for him to be my Lord. And when we do that, he's going to direct your life. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Hey, so Dennis, Dustin, Willis, and Aaron Cole wrote a book, and it's called Life on Mission. And here's what they say. There is nothing more freeing than abandoning your own mission and joining the everyday mission of God. So I asked this morning, do you hear the spirit? Do you hear the call of God on your life? First, listen, it's going to be to be in a relationship with him. He loves us so much. He wants to be in relationship with us. And then as you yield your life to him, he's going to show you his plan for you, how he created you uniquely. Now, since today is our missions conference, I, I, I want us to answer that question. What is God's will for my life within that context? So the title of this message and our life question for today is simply, what's my mission? What's my mission? Our scripture reading is found in Psalm 46. I'd like to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to open our ears and eyes to his word. And then we're going to read the word together. Bow with me. Father, thank you for today. As we come to your word this morning, we are in awe of you. We stop before you. Remove the distractions. Help us to hear from you now in this place. Holy Spirit, open our spiritual eyes to see what you want to teach us. We need you. We cannot understand your word without your help. Open our spiritual ears to hear what you want to say to the church today. And we praise you and thank you for leading us. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 46, hear the word of the Lord. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord 
See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Before you sit down, many of you are aware in the news of the attacks upon Israel. Could we just pray together right now, Lord? We pray according to your word for the peace of Israel, for your people there, that you protect them, that you just place a covering over them, God. Watch over your people in these treacherous times. Thank you for your love and thank you that you always hear our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Did you notice verse 10 there? It just, when I was reading that, it just jumped off the page at me. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored in every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. First, listen, be still before the Lord. Know in your head and in your heart that he is God. Be at home with him. Be with him. As Jesus says in John 15, abide with him, which means to make your dwelling with him. Seek a relationship with him first and foremost every day, all of your life. And then you can focus on God's mission. And he tells us what the mission is here to bring glory to God among all the nations and throughout the entire earth. To bring glory to God wherever you find yourself, wherever God places you and sends you. The ultimate aim of our lives is to bring glory to God. The ultimate aim of our lives is not to be happy. That when we're bringing glory to God, we will be filled with joy. God will bring that about in our lives, but it's not about us. It's all about him. And that's something really important for us to understand. So this morning, we're asking the question, how does the Bible talk about my personal life mission, your personal life mission? How does God want to lead us in this question? And you know what? This is something that all of us want to know. People are always asking, what is God's will for my life? Have you ever asked that? All right. We all ask that question. Do you know why? We ask that question, listen, because God created us for eternity and he created us for glory. This earth is not our only existence. It's just a stepping stone to the next place. And God created us to live throughout all of eternity. Something inside of our hearts begs to be a part of that. God created us to be a part of bringing him glory. Something deep down inside of us wants that, want, just asks for that, begs for that. And listen. The pursuit and obsession with money and with fame and amassing things on this earth will never quench that desire. It will not do it. Only God can quench that desire in your life. Only God and living according to his plan will fulfill his purpose. So finding your mission, we're going to talk about that today, involves three elements. 
And what we need to do is understand these three elements in how God has created each of us purposely and intentionally. And we bring all three of those things together in one beautiful expression as we serve the Lord and bring him glory. Now, um, last Saturday, not yesterday, but a week ago Saturday, our men got together for our first annual golf tournament. We had a great time, but I have to tell you, I stink at golf. And the fellows, the two poor guys that were with me, Jeff and Bob, they they would they say, yes, amen, Pastor Mike, you stink at golf. But a number of years ago, I got a great set of golf clubs. A buddy of mine uh, was low in some funds. He said, Mike, would you like my golf clubs? I'll sell them to you for 50 bucks. I was like, man, that'd be awesome. And so I got these clubs. And so I, you know what? When I hit a golf ball, it I either sent it off into oblivion. The first time I played golf, I had a bag full of golf balls. I lost every one of them. About the fourth hole, I had to go up to a buddy. You got any more of those little round things with the white dimples all over them? You lost all those golf balls? I just stink at it. And I've never been very good. But there was one club in that bag that I could hit, and it was the five iron. I have no idea how I could hit that club. But, man, I'd grab that thing. And, I, you know, they're always telling you, you know, shift this thing and do that thing. And then put your elbow here and then put your arm. It's I, I don't know. And I just swing back. And, and that five iron, every single time, straight and true with power. I was amazed. No other club in my bag could I do that with, but for some reason, and I had a buddy, and he told me, you know, Mike, that that five iron's just got a sweet spot. It's got a sweet spot. When you bring together these three elements of what we're talking about, God's plan for your life, it's like a sweet spot. It's like you pull out your five iron, and you get up there. You know, a lot of times when I hit my driver, but you get that five iron with that sweet spot on it. And God wants your life to go true, to go straight and hit the target that he has designed for you. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So here is the first element of finding our mission. And inside your worship guide, you should have a place there. I've got a lot of fill in the blanks for you today. And so you want to uh, take advantage of this. Here's the first question. What sets your soul on fire? What is your passion? What sets your soul on fire? What is your passion? What are you passionate about? 18th century poet Alexander Pope said this, on life's vast ocean, diversely we sail, raising the card, but passion is the gale. The poet here, he uses the word card to refer to a compass. He's saying that our mind will set the direction, but our heart fuels the motion. We all need a compass in our heads and a fire in our belly. Galatians 5.25 says, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. And the word for the spirit in the Bible oftentimes means the breath or the wind of God. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is the wind and breath of God. Listen, he indwells us. He seals us with an inheritance in heaven. He guides us into all truth. He convicts us of sin. He baptizes us with power for life and mission. So how is the Holy Spirit stirring your innermost convictions? Your passion 
is the thing that you love to do. That only God works in and through you. And listen, when you slow down and you be still and you get alone with God, how is he leading you? How's he directing you? And I'd like for us to do something really practical here. And this is called the passion funnel. It has a number of questions to work through. First, want to know what's my passion? What am I passionate about? First, list five things that you're interested in. Five things that you're interested in. Uh, these are activities that you enjoy, things you do for fun, what you look into when you have some free time, seeking after your passion. Next, List four things that you're excited about. This exercise will take you about 30 minutes. You don't have time this morning, okay? That's all right. But I want to encourage you to do this on your own. Four things you're excited about. Listen, these are the things in work and in your free time that you plan in advance and you look forward to doing. Then list three things you're driven by. These are the things that you are bound to do or address. You cannot stop yourself. They get you up in the morning and doing them makes you feel alive. You will find a way to live live these things out even when there are obstacles in the way. And then fourth, list one or two things you're burdened for. These are the things that will keep you up at night. Uh, These are the places of suffering or flaws in the world that you simply cannot ignore. It's like missions. It's like seeing those pictures we saw of the desperation of the people there in Guatemala and other places like that in the world. And you will not be able to exist without taking action to address them. Can I tell you that when I did this exercise for myself, and this has been just a couple of years ago, I love music. I love technology. I love computers. I love, right now, I'm into this kick of the science of how God created us and leveraging that for human flourishing. Anything that has to do with productivity. I just, I just enjoy, am interested in those subjects. I'm excited about discipleship. I love to see people growing in the Lord. I love our Bible study groups. I was so excited that we were launching a new Bible study group this morning. I love reading about it, praying about it, learning about it, and planning for that ministry. I am driven by my relationship with the Lord. I have to have it every day. And when I skip it, I know it, and it hurts me. I'm driven by that. And last, I'm burdened for the lost. For people who do not know the Lord, I pray for ways to share the gospel with my friends, with my lost co-workers. I'm burdened for people around the world, and I'm burdened for students. I love students. This can be children. This can be teenagers, young adults. I want to help them know God and find his very best for their lives. That's my passions. And that's what it looks like in my life. And so I encourage you to take the time to work through these questions and ask the Lord to direct you. And I believe God will bring clarity to your life and help you see that. Uh, Will Mancini, in his book, Unique, said this about your passion. Perhaps the greatest reason to know your passion is to know the thing for which you're willing to suffer. It's getting out of bed with a motivation to run through brick walls or to rise up from the ashes of failure. It's the ultimate fuel for the day. That's why we call the suffering of Jesus' last week on earth his passion. Living with passion is being able to endure anything because of the joy 
set before you. Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what is your passion? What are you passionate about? Secondly, what are your strengths? What are you good at? What are your strengths? What are you good at? First Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. If anyone speaks, he should speak as one conveying the words of God. If anyone serves, he should serve with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory and the power forever and ever. So what the scripture is teaching us here is that God has graciously given each of us strengths or spiritual gifts to use for his glory. And here's the good news. God created each of us with uniqueness and strengths that he wants you to use for his purposes. But here's the bad news. There are a lot of people who never seek the Lord about this. They never figure out what they were created for. Did you know that unhappiness on the job affects one-fourth of the American workforce? Maybe that's you today. One-fourth of employees view their jobs as the number one stressor in their lives. Seven out of ten people are neither motivated or competent to perform the basics of their job and 43% of employees feel anger toward their employers often or very often as a result of being overworked. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're asking yourself, why? Why do I feel that way? We've got to get back to the basics of how God designed us. You know when that started? It started in your mother's womb. The psalmist says, Psalm 139, 15 through 16. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That last phrase really stands out to me. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know what? God knows exactly who he created you to be. He wrote it down. That is so encouraging to me. We should seek that plan. And if we're walking in that plan, we're going to have great blessings upon our lives. Now, there are many solid ways to find out about your spiritual gifts, about your strengths, we offer one of those tools here at Cultivate. It's called PLACE, P-L-A-C-E. Some of you have taken that before, and it's simply measuring your personality, your spiritual gifts, your abilities, your passion, and your life experiences. Um, the assessment itself is an online tool. All you have to do is let us know. You can do that on your connection card or just see me or Pastor Daniel or Taylor and say, I want to take that place thing and we'll get you set up with that. There, it's a, It is a wonderful tool. It takes about 30 to 45 minutes to go through and answer the questions intentionally and honestly, but it is a great tool. 
but I want to give you five questions that you could ask yourself right now to find out about your spiritual gifts. And here they are. As I study how gifts operate in the Bible, do any resonate in my soul? Second, what do I enjoy doing? It's one of those things we were talking with one of our friends last night uh, about something that was happening that that she was working on. And she said she found herself staying up till two in the morning and realized, oh, my gosh, it's two in the morning. I probably should go get some sleep. She was so passionate about what she was doing. It just took her through the night. That's what I'm talking about. What do I enjoy doing? What is the Holy Spirit telling me? What is the Spirit saying? What ministry in my life is God blessing and what gifts to others see operating in me? You know, for myself, it was actually other church members early in my ministry that came forward and told me, hey, did you ever know, do you ever think that you're actually pretty good at that? The church, listen, look at me. The church will come around you. It's part of our role as the church. When we, when I see a gift in a young person, I'm so fast to say, you know what? I think maybe that's something God's gifted you in. I think that's something God wants to use in your life for his glory. We need to do that. And there were church family members who would come to me and just say, you know, I think I see this gift operating in your life. Um, so a couple of months ago, I was doing some personal soul searching myself. I'm kind of at that midlife point. Actually, I've moved past it a little bit. I wish I was still at the midlife point. So I don't know what you call it after midlife, but uh, I'm there. And so I was just seeking some clarification from the Lord. These two questions really helped me make a list of the people in your life who love you and are inspired by you. And for each one, write down why they're inspired. What is it that you do that causes them to say, thank you. Thank you for that. And then here was the second one. What is something now or in the past that I enjoy doing or I enjoy doing that brings or adds value to the lives of others? You see, Peter just said it for us. We use the gifts for one another. Your gift is God's gift to the rest of the world. God wants you to discover your gift and then use it to be a blessing to others. This process for me really clarified what my strengths are. And one of the things I learned was that wherever you're serving God, whether it's your vocation or a ministry, 80% of what you do should come from your strengths. A couple of years ago, I was in a role where the majority of my job came from being an administrator. I'm not a very good, I mean, I'm okay at it. I love productivity and checklists and things like that, but I can only do that for so long. If I'm not in a place where I'm teaching, which is my strength, I just dry up and die. And that's the same thing for the rest of us. I pray that as you go through these questions, seeking the Lord, he's going to show you what your strengths are. God designed each of us in a unique way, and you are the only person that can bring your design into the world for God's glory. That's actually what a man named Charlie Steinmetz did. Years ago, Charlie, he designed the generators that powered Henry Ford's first 
assembly line. Henry Ford, he made Ford cars for those of you who are like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Uh, and so Charlie eventually retired and the generators stalled out and the entire plant came to a halt. They couldn't do any work. All of then now Henry Ford's engineers uh, couldn't find the problem. So Henry Ford called Charlie and said, hey, could you come back and work on this stuff? So Charlie came. He fiddled with a few gauges. He jiggled a lever. He tried a button. He played with some wires. And then he threw the master switch and all the motors kicked on and the system returned to normal. Hey, Charlie. A few days later, Charlie sent a bill to Henry Ford for $10,000. I'm going to think about this. This is a long time ago. Uh, Henry Ford said, that's way too much money. And he, he went to his friend and said, you just fiddled around with some gears and some levers. This is a really high bill. And so Charlie said, okay, I'll write a new bill. Henry Ford received the new bill a few days later. It said $10 for tinkering around with gears and levers, $9,990 for knowing where to tinker. Listen, you are the only you. God created you with a unique design. And when you don't bring your uniqueness into the world, we don't get to experience that. We miss it. We love you. We want to hear from you. We want to see that expressed in your life for the glory of God. Third part of finding your sweet part, sweet spot, sorry. Is to leverage your location. And this is the question, what is the best context for me to serve in? What's the best location, the ideal environment? And God knows the answer to this question. I have a couple of friends here. My friend, Shane Connor, he loves to connect with people relationally. God would not want to stick Shane in an accounting cubicle by himself where he didn't get a chance to visit and talk with people. He needs that. My friend, uh, these guys here that love the outdoors, God would not stick them in an office building. These guys love to be outdoors. They taught me one day how to shoot guns. That'll be in another story. But that's where they need to be because they love to be outdoors. And so God knows the exact environment, the context that he made you for. We can see it in the Bible. God called Noah to build an ark so that he could save a remnant of his people and all the animals from the coming flood. God called Abraham to leave his home and move to a distant country. God called Moses to go back to Egypt and free the Hebrew people then to lead them to the promised land. God called Joseph to slavery in Egypt, which would eventually end up in delivering God's people from famine and starvation. God called Ruth to go back to Israel with her mother-in-law after losing her husband. God called Samuel to serve him in the church house during that time. God called Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the broken walls of the city. God called Esther to the palace of Persia. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. And he called Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth and be our Savior and Lord. God knows the place where you need to serve him. Sometimes God calls you to a people, a group like the people from Guatemala, the Mayans, or maybe people from China. Sometimes God calls you to people like widows 
or single moms. Sometimes God calls us to a particular location, like a business or a profession, like a school for some of you. Sometimes God calls us to move and go to a different place. And sometimes he tells us to stay and serve him wherever he has planted us. God was doing that in Jeremiah 29 verses 4 through 7. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He has exiled to Babylon for Jerusalem, build homes and plan to stay, plant gardens and eat the food they produce, marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren, multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. God's people here were in captivity because of their own sin and rebellion, and they did not want to be there. But God told them to stay and put down roots, to quit complaining, and to leverage their location for God's glory. And eventually God does lead them back to Israel, but for the time being there, he called them to stay and to flourish. The very first church that Mary and I were able to serve together, I was the minister of music at a little bitty church in Quincy, Florida. It was called Santa Clara Baptist. I was a student at Florida State University. I was getting my degree in music education, and that was the first church that God called us to. But within, uh, really, honestly, a couple of months, I was so frustrated in that place. And honestly, it was, it was about the pastor. He would call staff meetings and I would show up. I'd come from school and he wouldn't be there. And I'd see him a day or two later and he'd say, yeah, I was fishing. I just, I didn't want to leave the, you know, leave the river or there were some Sunday mornings. I'm a perfectionist. And so I just, and I struggle. I'd come, Pastor Daniel, you can appreciate this. I'd come up to the pulpit and I was leading the music worship and he'd have his notes and his Bible out in the holy chair. We had two holy chairs. I got to sit in one every once in a while. I didn't know what it was for, but they just told me that's a holy chair. And he got to sit in one and he was writing his sermon. And he'd say, hey, brother Mike, if you'd let the music service go a little longer today, I can get my sermon done. That was hard for me. A perfectionist like, I've already planned my 25 minutes. I don't know what to do beyond that. <laughs> that was just hard for me. And so I, I just had a tough time. I was frustrated with his lack of leadership and I just wanted to quit. And so a day came and I was going to give him my resignation and I was dropping Mary off at work. And she looked back in the car and she said, you know, hon, I don't know if this is God's will. I just don't have a peace about this. And so listen, when your wife says something to you, fellas, we need to listen. And so I was like, okay. So I didn't turn in my resignation that day. And I went home and we talked about it. We prayed. We called some good friends and they gave us some good godly counsel and realized God was telling us to stay. But you know, I was frustrated. And so I said, Lord, if I'm going to stay, you got to change my heart. And he did. We found ourselves in a couple of weeks. We loved it there. We loved the people. The pastor was still as frustrating as ever, but God was good. God changed our hearts. And then you know what happened? A couple of months later, a friend of mine at school, his name was Donnie. He was the minister of music at a big church up in Georgia. And he came up to me and said, Mike, I'm 
I'm graduating from college and I'm moving and going off to a new place to work. And my church is going to be looking for a music minister. And God just told me that's supposed to be you. I was like, oh. And so I went and we prayed. And sure enough, God called us to that second location for our ministry. God caught me, taught me two important lessons in that place. First, first, wait on God's planning. Wait on his time and trust him. And if your heart is unhappy, ask him and he can help your heart when you're struggling with something. But the second thing was to wait for his perfect timing. He knew I was going to go to that next church, which was Morningside Baptist Church in Bainbridge, Georgia. He knew, and that's the place where he began to show me about how I was a teacher, not just a music minister. So God knew exactly what he was doing. Whatever is the location or environment, where is God calling you to be? Can I tell you my perfect environment is a classroom? For me, that's what it is because God made me to be a teacher. I love to teach. I work in an elementary school right now as a special education teacher's assistant. I love walking in my building and seeing all those children. And I get to teach them every day. I love our work in Bible study groups. I love helping people grow. I love giving instruction. So a classroom is the natural environment for me. In 1999, God called Mary and I and our kids to move from Texas to Oregon, which was about 3,000 miles away from home. The interesting thing was God had been showing us that location, that calling to Oregon, through a number of encounters, through worship services, through friends. The Holy Spirit was directing us. We knew he was calling us there, and we, you know, we kind of had our feet a little firmly planted on that. And I mean, it felt like we were dragging a little bit, but we got there eventually. Um, when we got there, it was not easy to serve there. It was a very difficult place to serve the Lord, but we knew we were called. And so we stayed and eventually we came to love serving in that place. So here's the point. Ask the Lord to show you. He will. He'll show you where he wants to be. Ask him, Lord, where do you want me to serve you? What is the best environment for me to serve you? Do you want me here or do you want me to stay or do you want me to move? Listen, he'll tell you. And here's why. God created you. He knows what's best for you. He loves you and he wants you to be in that place he created you for. And when we serve God with our passions, with our talents, and in the place, the context, the environment where he perfectly fit us for, We'll be overjoyed. It's going to be just like that five iron every time. Straight and true. Some questions that help you think through the best environment for you to serve in. What kind of serving environment, this is in your notes, brings out the best in you? Do you thrive in a fast-paced, high-pressure setting? Some of you do. Man, some of you love the boilerplate kind of place. Some of you prefer a more relaxed and flexible atmosphere. That's me. Are you more comfortable working independently or as part of a team? What types of tasks or projects energize you and make you feel fulfilled? And what projects drain your energy or make you feel unfulfilled? God wants to lead you to find your sweet spot. He wants to see you shine and thus bringing him glory. Jesus said in John 20, 21, as the father has sent me, 
I also send you. Jesus here was talking to his disciples and he's talking to us. Where and how is Jesus sending you to be on mission? That's the purpose of today and tonight, to help you see the possibilities, to consider these things we've talked about today, your sweet spot. How does the Lord want you to leverage your uniqueness for his glory? David Platt said this, I love this. God involves us in his mission, not because he needs us, but because he loves us. Isn't that beautiful? And when we get to the end of our lives, we will not wish we had more money, acquired more stuff, lived more comfortably, taken more vacations, watched more television, pursued greater retirement, or been more successful in the eyes of the world. Instead, we will wish we'd given more of ourselves to living for the day when every nation, every tribe, every people, every language will bow around the throne of God and sing praises to our Savior who absolutely delights in our radical obedience and the God who deserves eternal worship. Amen? So what's your mission? First, it's to be in relationship with God. Then, to take those wonderful things, how God has created you, and to use those to show his love to the world. So what is God saying to you today? I want to ask you, if you would, take the commitment card that's in your worship guide. Go ahead and take that out right now. And we have a number of those things on that list. Um, You know what, Pastor Daniel, I think you took my commitment card. It's okay. Thank you, Carolyn. No worries. Hey, look at these. And maybe this morning you're sensing what God would have you to be involved in. Uh, I want to go. I want to go to Brazil or Alaska. Or maybe you want to go to Kansas City with us to help Somali refugees or maybe Guatemala that you heard about. And you're going to hear about Kenya tonight and those opportunities. Maybe there's one of our missions partners that you would be willing to pray for. Global 365 is under the direction of Pastor Gary and his wife, Ingrid. They're not able to be here. Actually, they had a trip planned to go to Israel. They were supposed to be in Israel. Um, you can just be in prayer for them. They haven't left yet, uh, but they have missionary partners all around the world. Uh, maybe you'd be willing to pray for Amazon Vision Ministries. Mark and I, Mark Jones and I got to go to Brazil this last fall. Echo Bible Camp in Alaska is where Daniel and Amanda Schoenthaler serve. Kenya, Kansas City. Grace Works was a local ministry. Uh, Operation Christmas Child or Radical Missions in Guatemala. Or maybe you'd like to serve locally with Grace Works with Operation Christmas Child, or with the Branch Food Bank, which you're going to hear about tonight in our missions conference. Maybe God's tapping you on the shoulder about one of these. There are so many opportunities for you to use your glory for God. Which one is jumping off the page at you today? Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word and what you desire to teach us here. You riveted my heart about this message months ago and told me what you wanted to say. 
And so, Lord, I pray that as your word has gone out today, what you wanted to communicate to your people, that we would hear you and that we would respond. And so, Holy Spirit, we seek you today. How are you speaking to us? I pray that we would respond to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.